So the parable Jesus tells us this morning is jarring to say the least. In this story, Jesus compares the the kingdom of heaven to a king throwing a, a wedding banquet for his son. It is a parable filled with murder, war, destruction, expulsion, wailing, and gnashing of teeth. Jesus concludes the parable by declaring, therefore, many are called, but few are chosen. Like I said, it is a jarring and shocking parable. parable. First of all, it is completely unrealistic. How could the king wage a complete a war while dinner is waiting on the table? Or how should someone who has just been dragged off the street then be expected to be wearing the right clothes? Moreover, the parable lacks any sort of proportionality. Imagine killing someone merely for the offense of inviting you to a party or destroying a city for the crimes of a few or casting an improperly attired guest into into outer darkness. And it begs the question, how is the kingdom of heaven like this wedding banquet? And more importantly, why would we want to go? To even begin to answer these questions, it is worth first recognizing the role in symbolism that banquets and feasts and food play throughout scripture. Take, for example, the feast described in our first lesson this morning from Isaiah, which of itself draws on imagery from a feast on Mount Sinai in the book of Exodus. The feast Isaiah describes is no ordinary grand banquet, but a messianic banquet at the end of the age. At this feast for, this is a feast for all people and all nations. And at this feast, God will provide an amazing spread with all of the best food. But more than just that, This banquet will also mean the destruction of death itself. As opposed to death swallowing up everything, God will swallow death as God dries the tears from each and every face. Isaiah's feast is a promise and a proclamation of what is to come. It is God's last word to us. And even if this moment might be horrible, the feast Isaiah announces is our future. It is the assurance that God will save us. Now, we might be tempted to think of this as just a pie in the sky. But the real invitation is to live each and every day in the light of this promise. The invitation is to to live our lives in such a way that this banquet is revealed in our actions and choices. The invitation is to let this banquet become our orienting hope. The response to God's promise of this banquet should be lives lived in faith, hope, and love. And in this way, 
the banquet is not just a pledge, but a challenge to live lives transformed by this promise of God's future. Through this banquet, and through this banquet, and though it has not yet come, there is this promise and challenge that means this banquet is already here. Though this banquet is our future, it is to be lived into now, today, this very day. In his own ministry, Jesus drew on this image of Isaiah's messianic and future banquet breaking into the present moment. So think, think of Jesus's habit of eating with, with all sorts and conditions, from the religious elite to the lowliest sinner. Think of his, his mass feedings where, where thousands were fed from meager beginnings. Think that even on the eve of his death, Jesus shared a meal with his friends, a, a meal that he commanded his followers to continue. And all of these meals, the kingdom of heaven was revealed. God's reign was shown. God's future broke into and became present in the moment. And so too, it becomes present whenever and wherever we are able to gather around Christ's table. One of my deepest longings during this pandemic is to be able to gather once again and participate with all of you in the heavenly banquet of the Eucharistic meal of communion. The banquet was a central image for Jesus in his ministry. In using the banquet image throughout his ministry, Jesus was pointing to the promise of God's welcome of all. But here, in this parable that we heard this morning, Jesus is proclaiming God's banquet, but then asking, what if no one came? And what if those who did come just attended and refused to live into the implications of the banquet? Here, Jesus is pointing to one of the central tensions of the Christian life, which is between God's welcome and God's challenge. Yes, God welcomes all, loves all. Indeed, we might even go so far as to say that wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are welcome at Christ's table. Yes, God welcomes, but God also challenges us to live into that welcome. Yes, God loves you and will always love you, but God also longs for you to live into the reality of that love. The love is there, the welcome is always there, but with that love and that welcome, so too is the challenge of that welcome, is the challenge of that love. God says yes to you, and the question becomes, how do you say yes to God. I always feel like when Jesus is being provocative and offensive with his parables, he's trying to wake me up. I feel like he's trying to, to shake me awake from my slumber and jostle me out of my self-complacency. I do not think we are to take this parable literally. 
or allegorically, but instead are to see the, the theological and the ethical challenge this parable offers us. In the original setting where Jesus first shares this parable, Jesus is putting a question to the religious elites of his day about whether they have really shown up to God's party at all. And to the disciples, Jesus issues the question, sure, you might think you've shown up to the party, but how does your life reflect your attendance? And in some sense, Jesus puts the same questions to us. The expression, many are called, but few are chosen, is a way of asking us whether our lives manifest the commitments to love and justice that our faith in God demands. This is not a judgment on the outsider, nor is it a judgment on non-Christians or on some other out there for us to worry about. Nor is it even a judgment on our fellow Christians. Instead, it is a summons that we are to take personally. It is not a question directed to someone else, but directed to each of us as individuals. Now, I never want to condemn anyone for just showing up. Sometimes that's all we've got. If during the difficulty of this pandemic and this election season, you are doing all in your power just to show up spiritually, just to attend the occasional service online or, or to offer up your occasional prayer, then I do not think that God resents that. Nor do I think that that's just merely showing up. I think in times of crisis and in times of distress, we do what we can. But I do think Jesus wants to push us past our self-complacency. He might ask how we can, even during the stress of this time, we might ask ourselves how we can stand in solidarity with those who are most vulnerable. We might ask ourselves how we can do our part for the common good. We might ask how we can for work for justice and peace among all people. We might ask how we can respect the dignity of every human being. And in these questions, I believe we will find God's provocation directed to each of us personally. Behind that provocation is always God's yes. And yet, God offers the provocation nonetheless. God has issued God's invitation. And yet God challenges us to really, really attend the party. Amen.